0: I have mentioned this. By the way, you stumbled on the best of the rest.
1: Stumbled? You can't intentionally get here?
0: Well, you can, but very few people do. (laughs) I think most of the people find us just stumble across us. But anyway, with Jay Loving and Dennis Chandler. I know we've talked about this a little bit on previous episodes, kind of mentioned it in passing. But you have recently started... Getting into collecting of pulp magazines.
1: If recently you mean by less than twenty four hours, yes.
0: Yes, well, that's recently.
1: Yeah, we kind of talked about it. Well, I've been toying with it and all that, so we'll 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 see. We'll see. I'm definitely. It's it's a different experience than getting into comics. Comics was just like I got introduced. Like, hey, I get comics. You want to come with me to the comic store? Yeah, sure. Oh yeah, I remember getting those. Hey, I'll get a few, and then boom, there you go. Well, yeah. Well that's the you one can't, you, you can't really go out and get pulps right now.
0: There used to be I don't know if it's still in existence, probably not. I but I know at least until the nineteen nineties there was a magazine called Analog that came out with new science fiction. And it was kind of a pulp magazine. About the size of a reader's digest. That...
1: Yeah, yeah, I could guess that's similar.
0: Similar, but it's not a pulp. No, it's not.
1: Those pretty much disappeared
0: about the advent. I think comics pretty much replaced them.
1: I don't know. There was pulps through the 40s and the 50s. Now, I do see some stuff in the 60s, but no, that's that's kind of called like men's entertainment magazines. No, that would that would lend you that lends you towards Playboy. No. Um uh, the description escapes me, but they were oriented more towards a certain crowd. For sure.
0: Okay, well, so, what I mean, what got you started thinking about this? I mean, why do you want to go into the pulps?
1: Well, you know, there's been, I guess, a confluence of events. So, my shop owner, my LCS owner, is a big pulp guy. Big pulp guy. So, usually at C2E2... Um, you know, I'm talking about going up there for the weekend, like we've done for the past two years and everything like that. He's talking about he's going to be in Chicago, but he's going to be at the Pulp Show, which there was one on the south side of Chicago somewhere. Um, I don't know if they're going to coincide anymore since C2E2 has decided to be in the dead of winter. Um, but anyway, so he's a big pulp guy, and he's actually got some pulps in, you know, not on the wall. He doesn't really have a traditional wall. They've got counter, glass counters in there, and he's got the books in there. But in some of them, he's got pulps. So, you know, I've always seen them and everything like that. So it's like, oh, okay. And, you know, you always think about that. And subconsciously, subconsciously, you know that a lot of authors from the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, and when I say authors, I mean science fiction, fantasy authors. <laughs> you know, some a lot of them got their start in pulps. Like my favorite one, favoriteest of them all. Is Isaac Asimov, right, and that's where he that's where he started writing. That's you know in uh, astounding science fiction, I do believe, is what he was primarily in. And it's like Arthur C. Clarke, Heinlein, all of them. You know, they wrote for the science fiction pulps. I mean, that's how it was done in the day. So, um, and then a lot of our, a lot of uh, characters that are in the public domain now, like Tarzan. Conan. Well, Conan's not really public domain. I take that back. But like a lot of your famous pulp heroes, like Tarzan, Conan, um, Lovecraft's um, characters, all them start in pulps. So you've always kind of known that, but you know you're used to seeing them in the collected editions and books and everything like that. But they, you know. It's like first appearance. So it's like first appearance of what I used to think of as I dug into it. Literary characters were actually pulps. So that's got a comic book equivalence. Yeah. I mean, you go look for like the first appearance of Conan. Uh, I forget which one it is, but it's in Weird Tales. You know, that's like, well, and I'll get into the details of that late in a in a bit. That's in the price guide is a sixteen hundred dollar pulp. Gosh. In one of the good conditions.
0: All right, so that, public domain stuff is what I'm talking about. Just,
1: hold on a second. I got to sit there and di- I got to disregard the Discord. Somebody's trying to have a conversation. And I can't have a conversation in Discord while I'm having a conversation with you I that's, shut Discord down when we start That's recording. just totally impolite. Right. So, anyway, so. Price of Conan, first appearance, uh, Sword of the Phoenix. Uh, I forget which issue it is, but it was in Amazing... No, Weird Tales, Weird Tales. I think that's it. I'm still learning a bunch of stuff. 1600 bucks. So what do you think about that? Conan the Barbarian, a 1930-something con- uh, pulp, 1600 bucks.
0: That seems like a lot, but...
1: Seems like a lot? Well, why I don't know. I, why would that seem like a lot? How much? Okay, let's think. 1930, let's say 1940s, superhero, or a popular character, what would the comic be? Oh, well, okay. That's true. All right. Okay. So, the question is, why is it only 1600 bucks? Because the only price guide in existence is called a Bowman's Pulp Pol- uh, something. Bowman. I found this out this past week. Trying to research this stuff. It's Bowman's something. I have to look it up. Right? It's the only price guide for pulps. And it was last updated in 1994. There has not been an update in pulp prices unless they're somewhere on the internet. And I got to look it on the internet and I really couldn't find one since oh, 1994.
0: There was something that Martin tweeted out not an hour ago.
1: Well, is it a price guide or is it just a guide? Because it was like, um, I know they have got a website, but I, every time I click on something on the website, the links don't work. For the Bowman's Price Guide to Fantastic Pulp's.
0: I can't remember. I have to look it up. Cause I was. Yeah.
1: And there's other and there's other links that are like, uh, I get warning potential security risk. So I don't want to go to that site. So, mm, I struck out on the internet. And every time I go to something, looking for something, oh, there it is. Okay, so so it's just very difficult right now. But anyway. Yeah, this site
0: is pulpmags.org. I just pulled it up, but I don't know anything about it. I don't know if it has anything with pricing or has a cover gallery, digital archives,
1: Oh, yeah, there's all of that. But, you know, people want to sell their pulps. And, you know, I kind of want to look at buying the pulps. But how do I know what we agree on?
0: How did you know what to agree on when you first started collecting comics?
1: Well, you had Wizard. You had um, Overstreet.
0: Oh, that's true. You got, I forgot
1: about Overstreet. Yeah, overstreet has been around from 1976 or 1970s. You remember? We had that discussion. We went yes. to the 1976 version. We did. So, but anywho, so I'm, you know, so I got to thinking. It's like, So one of the things is I listen to a lot of other comic uh, podcasts and collecting podcasts and YouTube shows and everything like that. And, you know, one of the big things right now is you're seeing a lot of Of desire for golden age books, golden age comics, right? And a lot of it's driven by the covers, right? And, you know, you've got the crime ones, you've got the horror ones, you've got the good girl art ones and just all that stuff. And it's just, you're just seeing all these prices for the art. Well, a lot of these artists, before they got into comics, they were doing covers for Pulps. And a lot of the comics from the golden age, especially the 30s and the 40s, got their inspiration from pulps. And there are some artists that are, are as good as or better than some of the comic artists that were, only did pulps. That's all they did. So you've got a, you've got a, all these, and I don't know, I'm just now getting into it, and I don't know how many different pulps there are from back then. I just know how many different comics they are, and I think the pulps just dwarf the comics. All right? But you know, they've all got these painted covers and I mean, that's both basically why you collect pulps. Now there's two reasons you collect pulps. You either collect them for the cover art or you collect them for the author of whatever of the story in there. All right. So I, I know you collect a lot of, I know I collect a lot of comics and you know, some of them I do for the, you know, some of them I do for the cover art. Some of them I do for the art, for the whole thing and a bunch of them for the story and everything like that. Now, you know, and, you know, I guess you could get the story in comics and collect in trades and everything like that. But reading a comic, I don't know. What does that take you? Ten minutes?
0: Yeah. Ten to Depends twenty. On the book.
1: Yeah. Right. You know, you're not going to sit down and read a pulp in a night. <laughs> There's a lot in there. Yeah,
0: because they're, they're usually about 64 pages,
1: I think, or something. Oh, yeah. I well, maybe. Maybe more. I don't know. I, maybe more. But they also came out quarterly, too, a lot of them. Some of them came out twice a year, spring, fall, you know, then they had spring, summer, fall, winter. So they weren't coming out every month. So I guess they had to be thick to carry over. And, and you know, I guess they didn't want to overlap with a bunch of stuff. So anyway, so you're getting them for the art or the author's like. So the one I was looking at, so I finally started really diving into it. I talked to him some about last week. And then yesterday I was looking at some, some in his case. And on the top of his case there, he's got, it's um, I don't know. I think it's from 1932, and it's got an interesting, nice painted cover and everything like that. Jungle scene with these um, proto-humanoid ape-like things carrying off our scantily clad damsel in distress, as you know, our hero on the cover is dodging a spear while running to save her. Right. So. But then, you know, it's Taz the somebody or something, right? But then you look at that, you know, you look down the lower corner, and this is why he's got it on the top in his case. It's, like, also featuring stories from um, H.P. Lovecraft, uh, Robert E. Howard, and I can't remember what the other two authors were in there, All right, So there's two of your big drivers from that era, Lovecraft and Howard. And that's what makes it, so it's not the art or anything. I mean, it's the authors in the book. Now, are you buying it to read it? No, because it's collected somewhere. But now you have the first, you know, it's almost like a first printing of the story. And so there it is. So, I mean, it's, I think, and here's the thing. It had a part of the corner missing. The spine was, eh, it was all right. But there's like half of it was missing. Um, you know, it was ragged on the edges. Now, the one thing, and, you know, he had it price about a hundred bucks. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's kind of what they go for. The only thing he was telling me about was he was saying, the one thing you don't know is is like he's looking at the top and you're looking at the top and it looks perfectly flat. So you don't know if it was trimmed. And I'm like, oh, yeah, restoration. He goes, well, not really, because you found out that some of the pulp manufacturers actually trimmed their books before they sent them out. Hmm. So now you've got, you know, in the comic world, you know, that's that's a restoration Right. Because you trim the page edges. But apparently with pulps, some of the some of the publishers would trim it. So you've got that going in there. And then so we started talking about and he's told he was sitting there telling me about the things you want to look for. You want to look for, you know, like on a comic, how the cover, you know, do you have chips out? Do you have folds in it? You know how good it is. But you also want to look at the spine. And since these are thick, you want a nice square spine because they're square bound with glue. Right. And, and, you know, and part of the condition is it's like how square and how um, true it is. And then you kind of flip through it. You know, you're looking for how much foxing and some things like that and all your other typical things and everything. But then he told me there's only three there's only like three grades for pulps, like poor, good and very good or something along those lines. That's all the grades they got. And the one he was showing me with all that stuff on it. Would be almost into the best category. Gosh. So now you've got so all the pulps. You know, well, they're pulps. And you know how they got their name? Pulps is because they're made on cheap paper. Right. Cheap paper from I don't know, 80 years ago, 90 years ago. And it was disposable entertainment.
0: Yes. Yeah, it was never Same. meant to be
1: saved or collect. Nobody ever thought about that. It was just yeah. And I guess the other thing is, too, nobody grades them. Well, let me take them. They don't slab them. Let me take that back. Nobody slabs them.
0: Okay. That was my next question. Is there anything
1: like equivalent to CGC for Pulp? Not that I know of, but doesn't mean it's not coming in the future. Well, no. And, you know, they're about the – I mean, they're slabbing video games now, and they're slabbing – I'm trying to th- – Think. I know I think I've seen where they or CGC will slab trade paperbacks
0: isn't it hard to play a video game after it's
1: slabbed though yeah uh, yeah but you you just get you like a emulator and you can play it on the emulator while you look at your <laughs> slabbed video game
0: okay or your
1: encased video game
0: that's funny I never would have thought that
1: yeah I mean I got a baseball in a in a case sitting on my shelf here but you know okay, so well, I can't, baseball I can't that's... throw the baseball. You know, it's, it's signed, but mm. <laughs> that's true. So, but <clears throat> but anyway, so I'm like digging into it all, and it's all it's like like you know, it's all new and exciting and learning about everything. It's like I don't know I don't know everything about comics, but I've been in it enough that I know quite a bit, and it is fun to learn new stuff. But you just don't learn new stuff after you've been in something for a lot when you've been in it for like. Probably going on mm, 30 years now.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing about it. It's something new, and it takes
1: time to... Yeah, but some of the artists back in the day, I mean, that's when you had to be an artist. And, you've got, and, and they're just about all paintings. Yes. And you've got... So if you get into the pulps, you've got westerns, you've got science fiction, you've got romance, you've got adventure, you've got spy, you've got uh, mystery... Um, just, yeah. And they're all painted.
0: And all it's right.
1: like, so, I mean, I was looking through this deck. So there, there was that one on top. And then the next one had a Robert E. Howard story in it, but it also, the, the cover was a painted cover by a woman who was very famous in the industry that only did covers for pulps, And it was a cover for the a Robert E. Howard story. So it was a Conan story. With the Conan cover. Well, no, Conan wasn't in the cover, but it was tied to the story itself. So that one, you know, got up to about 150, 200 dollars. Nice. And then below, and then below that was another Robert E. Howard one, uh, but it wasn't as I don't think it was a Conan story, as one of his other character ones. But it was a painted cover with from that story, and so you know, I think that was around 120. So you know, he had his high dollar ones out there. That's what you wanted to see and everything like that. But um, my thing talking to him last week, you know, you've got to pick something. You just can't say, I'm going to start collecting pulps. There's just too many of them out there. I mean, there's like tens of thousands of them that were made. Well, uh, there were millions made, but there were tens of thousands of different, I don't know, what you would call them, volumes, characters, companies. Oh, yeah. And everything. So it'd just be overwhelming. So talking to him last week, I thought about, you know what? My favorite story of all time is Asimov's Foundation. And those were originally released in the pulp, starting in amazing Amazing science fiction in 1942. And what I didn't realize jumping into it is, you know, normally I thought, okay, he released Foundation. Um, and it's currently, you know, currently it's known as the Foundation Trilogy. It's three books. I forget how many chapters in each. And each chapter being uh, how it was published in the pulps. So, whatever got published in the pulps, that's a chapter or a section. You know, the next pulp, the next time it came out, that was the next section. So, I think there are actually multiple chapters in each section. So, anyway, that's how he released them. But it took him 10 years to do it. He didn't release them sequentially in Amazing Fantasy. You know, he might write it and then you wouldn't get back to the novella, as they were calling them, maybe until two or three years later. For the next part of the story. So just think about that. How would, you, how would that work today? Well, I think DC is doing it with a few books. But <laughs> where, say, you put, where you put out a part of a story and you don't get the next part for a couple of years.
0: Gosh, if they ever bring back Pulps, Jeff Johns is set. <laughs> but I mean, that's how a big number of Dickens novels were serialized in magazines and you had to wait for the next issue. But I think they came out pretty much regularly, monthly or bi-monthly. Yeah, I can't imagine reading a story and then not getting the next part of it till y- even a year later. That would be
1: more than I'd want to wait. Yeah, I'm trying to see where that's at um, because I um, I got it on my, uh, my iPad up there, but I don't... Um... I don't have it here on my computer. And I can't think of the website that I went to because I was just there was just one night I was just going into it and uh, yeah, so it was a uh, it was eight short stories published in astounding magazine between May of 1942 and January of 1950. So it was eight. So he would release eight short stories once a year. So Dang. you got about a year between issues. Think about it that way. Right. That's yeah. And while he's doing this, you're writing other stuff too. Yeah. Interesting. So, I mean, that's what he told me. It's like, focus on that because he's like, he's like, what I do, what he collects really big is Heinlein. Pulps that had Heinlein in it. So it's like, you need to pick something like that. You need to pick an, a cover artist, which they're going to have done a lot, or you need a, an author that you like and, and collect his pulps. So that's the kind of the path I was going down. Right, so I did the research, and I'm looking at all this. I'm going on eBay, and I'm looking, and you know, I'm finding a wide range of prices. Then I'm like, oh, I need to find a price guide. Then I'm looking, and it's like, there is no price guide. There's this book, but it's not been updated in like ten, fifteen, twenty years. So it's like, there's got to be something else. Then I'm going to the website, and there's just nothing. So, you know, the the speculator in me is sitting here going, oh, okay. So you've got something that predates comics. It's kind of got the same, you know, artistic allure of comics from that era. Because everybody's, you know, a lot of the people collecting the comics, they're collecting them for the covers. Whenever I'm hearing somebody about a a Golden Age sale, they're always talking about what the cover is. You know, this book's popular because the, the cover's got this, there's the... There's like the horror ones where there's the one but I think it's Black Cat 50 or something like that, where you've got the acid eating the guy's face. Uh, there's a bunch of EC ones like the one, um, you know, the famous one in The Seduction of the Innocent, where it's got the picture of the man holding the, his wife's uh, beheaded head. Right. Yeah. The axe there, all that. It's the covers. But then you go to these pulps. They're just as good or better. Um, they're even older. They're scarcer. So if you find a good one. You know, there's less of them out there. And, you know, they're starting to slab everything else. Who's to say they're not going to start slabbing and grading pulps?
0: Well, I would think if it becomes that big of a hobby and enough people want it, yeah, they'll do that.
1: And, again, you got the authors that are in the book, but you're not going to read the pulp. You can go, all these all these stories are out there in paperbacks or, or whatever. So you can get them all. You know, you can get all the Conan stories and on the buses. You can get all the... Uh, Lovecraft and Omnibuses, I can, I can get all the, you know, I mo- I got all the, most of the Asimov in my paperbacks and other things like that, so you can get the stories to read, but, you know, what you want is you want the original first printing. Yes. So, so anyway, so I was doing all that and everything, so then, you know, like I said, I was popped into the shop yesterday, I was looking at the stuff, and I'm just like, uh, so I got, I actually had a, I actually had some X-Men that I needed to get some back issues there sitting there and I had these pulps and it's like, Ooh, which one do I want to get? And he's saying, you know, just take your time. Think about it. Cause I mean, he's, he's willing to talk to me and do everything like cause he loves pulps and he's got, you know, but he's got friends all across the country and they're all in the pulps. It's like a hundred $150 pulps aren't walking out of my shop every day. They've been here a while. <laughs> They'll be here for, you know, for a week or two. There's not many people now getting them. So but then, you know, but then I got to look in. I'm thinking about the art and everything. And I'm on eBay. And I did happen to see one last night that I really liked it for. It was a buy it now. It looked like it was in good shape. It was a good price. I really liked it. So I bought it. So I bought my first pulp last night. I think I sent you a picture of it. Yes, you did. So it's, it's you know, a 40-ish, 1940s-ish. Okay, well, it was the 1940s or was it 1950s? Good girl cover. It's definitely that. Yeah. So, actually where is that? Uh And then, you know, while doing that, I saw somebody that had a sale of four uh, astonishing science fiction for sale that had one of the foundation uh novels in it. And so I bought that set for like 20. I think it was $10 and it was like $9 to ship it. So it's like, pff, heck yeah, I'll do that. So, I guess I'm all in. <laughs>
0: Yes, you are. Well, I mean, it's another avenue gives you some satisfaction.
1: So we'll see. We'll get them in. Um, I'll take, but you know what, it's got me else looking at. Now I'm starting to look at like Eerie Magazine and Creepy and all that. And, and then some like the Savage Sword because, you know, a lot of those have got Frazetta covers. Right. And, um, and some others like that so i'm like whew. so i can see where this is a big old rabbit hole
0: well yeah i mean a couple of questions i have
1: i'm sure you haven't
0: found out the answers to if there is even an answer so i wonder how many people how many collectors of pulps there are out there as opposed to comic books far fewer it's got to be Mm-hmm. because you know i don't know of any pulp conventions that go on i, know, I mean but maybe some people that Comic book conventions also have some pulps. I haven't really looked, but that would be one of my questions. And I'm kind of surprised there's not already some kind of a grading company that
1: does those. No, there's only two: CGC and CBCS. They don't grade pulps, though, do they? Nope. Yeah, they don't. That's what
0: I'm saying. No. I'm surprised there's. I'm, I mean, I'm already. I'm surprised there's not already a, a company that grades pulps going on out there. I guess there's no demand for it, or haven't it hasn't been, but.
1: Yeah, you know, I keep wondering if, like, they're, they're like, lumping pulps with, like, um, old-school paperbacks.
0: Well, I don't know. I do know that the companies that did the pulps was, like, I think it was, um, is it Bantam? No, it wasn't Bantam. It was Dell or Dell. One of the, I think it was Dell or Delacroix, you know, introduced the paperback concept of the paperback original. Mm-hmm. Because typically, or... Early on, you know, a book would be published in cloth hardcover, and then they would sell the rights to the paperback later. But then a lot of these companies started in the 40s and early 50s started doing paperback originals, where you know it was just an original novel released in paperback. And I know I know some of the some great detective writers got started in pulps. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mickey Spillane, Dashiell Hammett, Raymond Chandler, all those three guys started out in pulps. Jerry Siegel, the creator one of the co-creators of Superman, his first interest was in pulps, especially science fiction. I think Hugo Gernsback was one of the pioneers in science fiction pulps. Of course, he called it he called it something different, he called it science fiction before they called it science fiction. And Jerry Siegel actually was credited not only with creating Superman, but I think he's credited with creating the first fanzine was a science fiction fanzine and he actually published like, some he published his own pulp I think with some stories in it they are all written by him but he used uh, different pseudonyms <laughs> so make it look like he had multiple authors I don't know a lot about the pulp I do know about Spicy Magazine Spicy Mystery
1: what's that? Uh, it was oh it was spicy?
0: yeah um, it was I forgot what it was originally called they called it something else, and they had changed it to Spicy Mystery because it was a less offensive name. <laughs> I mean, some of those, especially back in the twenties and into the thirties, were just barely concealed—you know, soft pornography. Oh yeah, and that's how Harry Donenfeld, who was president of National Periodical Publishing later DC, got his start was producing these adult magazines, and he was heavily involved with organized crime because that's how they kind of distributed them. And, yeah, they produced this series called Spicy Mystery, and every cover is same basic theme. A woman who is barely dressed, and some, either a monster or a thug or a criminal or something, you know, looming over them. Mm-hmm. And there's one of these that I would very much like. I think it's from 1936, and it's spicy mystery for February of 36. Featured a story called Batman by Lou Merrill.
1: Well, you know, it almost crosses over, Pulp's crossover from, like, books and comics. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's, well, it's
0: hard to categorize it. I mean, just anthologized fiction That's what it was, in magazines. And like I say, I know there were some comparable type things. I don't know if you call them pulps, but they were printed on newsprint, like analog magazine that was printed, you know, new science fiction by beginning or unknown writers and that type of thing. Like I say, nothing like the pulp, so they didn't have cover art.
1: I mean, that's what I really like. I just like some of the art and I don't know, I'm kind of nostalgic now, get more and more nostalgic for, especially the science fiction, from the 50s and the 60s. Right. When everything was atomic-powered.
0: Well, I know. Okay. I said I did a tweet, or was it Discord? No, it was a tweet. It was a tweet because, uh, you know, I get these emails from Heritage Auction on all kinds of different stuff, um, comics, arts, and, stuff, and they had an auction of some original art. And I think it was a spicy mystery cover. And the opening bid is 15000 for it. And I looked at some of the others they had, and they're not much cheaper than that. I mean, but these are actually, these are paintings, framed paintings, authenticated, and certainly, you know, one of a kind. Yeah, original art for these things probably is,
1: looks like it is. Well, especially if it's, you know, tied to the first, you know, to a popular book series or a popular... Um character. Yeah. Like especially like the Lovecraft stuff. I mean I would go looking for it, but I have no idea to you know how to go search that. Well, I guess I could you could go look for the first published pulp work of Lovecraft or Right. I I know which one it is. Well, I don't think Howard started with Conan. I thought he think he started with something else. But anyway. So I don't know. I just it's very interesting to me. Uh, The speculator in me sees a lot of growth in this market and everything, so, hey, you know, try a few books like that. Do it while it's fun. Don't have to get too, um, I don't know, obsessive with it. No, you don't. I mean, there's just so much out there.
0: So much. Oh, yeah. Just like it's anything. I mean, you're in a better shape than a lot of people because you have your LCS guy who can help educate you on some of this stuff. It's not like you're just going out there blind and mm-hmm. trying to figure it out just what's on the internet, you know,
1: you can have yeah, it. But, but now I want all the pulps.
0: <laughs> you're going to become the Mike, Michael Myers of pulps. You want everything. <laughs>
1: I just, I don't think my wife will let me have them in the uh, oven.
0: No, probably not. So that's the thing. Now you got, you got, you got 40 Plus long boxes of comics. Now you're going to start getting boxes of pulps. Mm, I don't know about,
1: well, eh, well you you I can't gets. say never. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll have to see. Yes. But it's like, but you know what? It's just, yeah, but I don't know. You can see comics. Well, you know what? I sit here and say you, I can go to flea markets and all that and see comics. And I don't see pulps, but you know what? I've never paid attention to if there are pulps. Now, now I bet if I go looking, I'll see them.
0: Yes and this may be an area where you find also some at quote unquote estate sales or pseudo estate sales as
1: most of them yeah uh, estate sales all they have like um companies that do that now so right it's not too often that you you know find good stuff at estate sales but i did go to i did go to one and i i did get a oh where is it oh and I just got it back from CGC. I did get a Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen 134 that I found for 20 bucks at an estate sale.
0: I remember we were talking about that.
1: And everybody's going, what's so special about a Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen 134? Well, that happens to be the first appearance, cameo appearance, of Darkseid. Ah, yes. So... Yeah, the guy, there was somebody that got in, through there f- in front of me, and he ended up getting, he passed over all the Jimmy Olsons and got some, uh, the Neil Adams Superman, where he's busting the kryptonite chains. It was that, and I think a New Gods, one or two, and a Forever People, one or two, because they were hot. But then he skipped over the Jimmy Olsens, where they had the first and the second appearances of uh, Darkseid. So I just kind of went in and was like, whoop, I'll just take these, and was quite happy.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah, I would be too. Would be okay. too.
1: So. Anyway, so like, I don't know what else to say about pulps. It's like.
0: Well, that's it. I mean, I'm not to...
1: I mean, I'm just getting started. I think I, I think you put, uh, put out some questions, and I, I think Ronnie had a tongue in cheek. What's your favorite pulps? And it's like, I don't have one yet because I'm still figuring it out. But I think I am going to concentrate on amazing science, no, astounding science fiction, and weird tales. I think, right. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go through that and learn about them. And then from them, I'll branch out. But, of course, that wasn't the first one I bought, though. Well, no. That makes sense. I th- What was it? Actually, I was just looking at it. It was the uh, Avon Fantasy Reader from ni- issue number seven from 1947? Was that it? But um, crap. Where is that now? I like when to go to recently viewed, but it's like I've already bought it. Does that work that way? Crap. Yeah. All right. All right. I gotta keep the listeners entertained. Why? Sorry to sit here and it's like right here. One of the okay. So I was talking about. I found it on eBay. So I was talking about that one I saw. I was telling you I saw in his shop with the Art Robert E Howard cover. So it's Weird Tales, and the cover is the people of the Black Circle. And the cover is by a very popular, desirable artist, and she she only did Pulps. And it's a Brundage cover. So apparently that's very desirable in Pulps. And this one looks to be in really good shape, especially if it was a comic. And it's listed on here for $700. Wow. I mean, it's a, not, it's a great painted cover. It doesn't have Conan or in it, but it's, it deals with the the Conan story in there. Right. So so apparently, yeah, Brundage, that's a very popular name for pulps. Okay. Oh, yeah, so that's what I got. So I got the Avon Fantasy Reader from 1947, the number seven. And they say there's a Robert E. Howard story in there, but it just mentions on the back. See, this is where I don't know if they did, because they mentioned on the back that this series will have stories by them. So, but you know, it's in really good shape. I kind of like the cover.
0: Well, that's all that matters.
1: We'll we'll try. It. We'll 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 try. It. And you know what? The other, here's the other thing. So, you know, at this era, comics were what? Ten cents? Yes. Eight cents? Yeah. These magazines, these pulps went for about like thirty-five cents.
0: Yeah. I know mean, a lot of them were. I knew they were probably. I knew they were more expensive than comics.
1: So, yeah, they're definitely, I mean, even this one, I'm looking, I'm watching this one from 1934. I mean, it's a quarter. It's 25 cents. So, they were more expensive than comics back in the day. So, I guess you didn't have the kids exactly uh, getting them. Right. You know what? And, you know, like comics back in the day, they were geared more towards adults. Yes.
0: Especially Spicy Mystery. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I'm interested. I might look into a little bit. Of that. Not that I'm really wanting to be a collector, but I'm going to try to find out a little bit more about pulps. And I don't have a favorite pulp either because I don't really read them.
1: Well, you know what? Maybe you just look and you find a couple covers you like and you get them. So, um I know one that you will probably like, and it's a weird tales, but I don't know what the number is. I'm sitting here seeing if I can find it real quick. Wow, that tells me nothing. Oh, this is a. uh, It's not what I want. So basically, what is this? Oh, I don't want that. Um. Let me see if I can duck, duck, go it here. So weird tales, Batwoman cover. Oh, yeah, do that. Duck duck go, duck, duck, go that. You want the Batwoman cover, and you'll you'll see exactly why it's called that. Which is actually the it's the Vampire Master by Hugh Davidson. Oh, nice.
0: That is a nice see. Piece of artwork right there.
1: So, oh, and then this Brundage, Margaret Brundage. She was the primary designer of covers for Pulp Fiction magazine Weird Tales throughout much of the 1930s and into the 1940s. She was a pioneer of the pulp era, becoming its first female cover artist. So, one of her covers, illustrating the story of the Carnal God for the June 1937 issue of Weird Tales, sold for $47,000 in 2016. And it's pastel artwork. Nice. But... But you see what you can find? Do you like that cover?
0: I love that cover. That's a the person, a Margaret Brundage cover. That's, yeah, I love that cover. I could I can see getting that.
1: So I think that's like one of her, and I think they were talking about like an issue of that sold uh, recently on eBay for a significant amount of money.
0: I wonder who owns the OA for that.
1: The family? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Could be. Actually, I think I found, oh, so let's see, where down. okay, and now we're just rambling with the audience, because we're doing stuff, and they can't see it, and it looks like there's a lot of uh, pulp, parts of pulp on here, where people just pulled out the stories they like, and you can go buy those pages from that story for like, I don't know, somewhere are here for 15 bucks, 20 bucks, but there's some of this art's just,
0: it's pretty stunning, it, so,
1: yeah, interesting. I might have to look more into that because there's something. <laughs> oh why. Right. Now you've gone down the rabbit hole. Well,
0: not that much, no. No. I'm... I can't see myself getting Ooh. I want to try to collect all of one
1: author Okay, so so that's what that issue's got going with it. So look at this this issue's got going for So it's got cover art by Margaret Brundage, and it's like one of her most iconic um covers. All right. It's got a Robert E. Howard novelette in it, The Pool of the Black One, which even I've heard of. It's got The House of the Worm, which I think I've heard of that story before. Um, And it's got The Festival by H.P. Lovecraft, a short story, all on that one issue. All right, so you got that awesome cover, a Robert E. Howard novelette, a H.P. Lovecraft short story, and I know I've heard of that. And then there's something, the seed of the. I can't pronounce it. Sepulchre? Sepulchre, yeah. That seems familiar too. But I'm like, poof. Now, here's the thing they does reprint stuff because the next issue, November, had the uh, a short story by Edgar Allan Poe. Wow. So it was, it's not like he was writing then, but
0: I guess they well, reprinted
1: no. some of the stuff then. Yeah, I could. All right, and then you get to the December, and there there's another Robert E Howard short story, old Garfield's Heart, but I don't know you get that I mean that that looks like I can see now why that you know why that issue's so desirable, but you know, given the cover and who's the author's in that right, and it's like even the issue before that it's got the slithering shadow by Robert E Howard, um, who else is in that? I don't know. The more I get, the more I look into this, it's like, dang, <laughs> this is awesome.
0: Yeah, this could really, yeah, this could really make it become a rabbit hole. Oh yeah.
1: Oh, All right, the, Jul, the July issue has the HP Lovecraft novelette, the dream, the dreams in the witch house, and the and the Robert E Howard story, the man on the ground. So it looks like this, you know, weird tales is where they were writing. Right. Oh, and Black Colossus is in the June issue. So like this 1933 was just a bang, banging year there. Yeah,
0: well, it was probably about the high, the high point of it.
1: Yeah, and then in the May issues, Moonlight on a Skull by Robert E. Howard, and then in April's Autumn by Robert E. Howard. Don't really see no more Lovecraft. I wonder if those Lovecraft. When was Lovecraft writing? Oh, and The Tower of the Elephant is in March of '33 can't remember when Lovecraft was active. active. Well, that's that's what I'm wondering. If these are just reprints of Lovecraft, or is this when he was like first? Ah, oh, dang, now I'm going to have to look it up. Of course, this is not going to turn into an episode of Nerdy Legion where we start buying stuff. Because this is some expensive stuff.
0: Yeah, and you can't just go out to Amazon and
1: get it either. So. Well, he died in 1937.
0: I was he thinking was... he was more active around the in the nineteenth, early twentieth century.
1: At the age of forty-six, so. In the thirty-three. Yeah, that could have. Been, those could have been like oh, yeah. that's. He's, he's writing it and and putting it in there. So wow, dang. All right, well we're gonna. I guess we're gonna start figuring out what the, the cost of these are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like Weird Tales was coming out monthly, so just like a comic. Book. Oh yeah, and he was doing the Cthulhu Lovecraft mythos stories from 1925 to 1935. So if this was like in 33, then yeah, yeah, that's when they were coming out. You know, that may be some of the first published works were there in uh, Weird Tales in 33. Yeah. All right, you gonna go jump down this rabbit hole with me?
0: Uh, Probably oh. not as far. I may peek peek, yeah. in some, peek down
1: there, but watch from a distance. With the with the flashlight?
0: Yeah. Um, but I can't see myself jumping both feet into this now. Ah. Uh, Man, I'll it's get... just other stuff too much. Yeah. Come on. The water's fine. Hey, I was thinking about getting some uh, Sean Murphy original art and how look what the price of that stuff is. My gosh. Ooh, is he popular? Um, He tweeted something where he listed his website for his sale. And well,
1: there
0: was I, a sale. <laughs> well, where he sells. It's not a sale. It's just where he... Website where he lists his original art and the prices. And yeah. Cheapest thing I found was one page. was like $2,800. But a lot of it was six and $9,000. If you wanted a Ooh. splash page or a cover.
1: Is that because he put so much work into it?
0: Could be. Of course, if, if you price your art by the number of lines you're drawn, then Juan Jose Wright... All this stuff would cost eight hundred thousand dollars. No, I can't see myself just leaping into this, but I'll I'm gonna look around at it because it's some of this art is stunning. Nah, it's pretty good. But if anyway, anything else you wanted to bring up?
1: No, no, no. If we're only talking pulps, that's that's about all I know. and,
0: <laughs> well, we've been talking over forty-five minutes, so yeah.
1: But, you know, I guess we'll do updates as uh, as you learn more.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about it later on as you start learning more, and as I maybe get into a little bit of it. But
1: You uh... uh, need to find prices on that one, right? Batwoman? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm
0: looking at that one, and I'm, I seriously want that one to called Batman, that spicy mystery. Pieces, <laughs> so you can put story. them together? Yeah. See, I can frame them, put them into one big frame, and... I'm thinking that uh, Batwoman by Brundage would be
1: significantly more than the other. So, yeah, just based on. And like you said, I thought I saw something where there was the uh, the cover art. Right. Gosh, I don't even want to know. Brundage covers are that popular. I can't imagine what
0: the OA would be.
1: Well, the the image of that came from Live Auctioner's Archive and Heritage Auction, so that looks like a good copy of that issue, and I guess it. It sold on Heritage.
0: Heritage doesn't do no junk. Usually. Oh, yeah. it says
1: but 19, between 1933 and 1945, Margaret Brundage sold 66 original pulp cover illustrations to Weird Tales.
0: Wow. So she was exclusive to that one magazine.
1: Well, let's see. 66 issues is five and a half years. So there were some gaps in there.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, she didn't do every. If it was a monthly, she didn't do every cover, so, yeah, that makes sense. That's a lot of paintings, 66, if she's painting it. Yeah, you know, that's a lot of paintings.
1: Uh, So, I got a quick glimpse, and it looks like an issue of that sold for $1,200 on, at one time on eBay. That's a lot less than I would expect. Oh, Live Auction wants me to, wow, hmm. Ooh, there's an interesting website that appears to have a lot of pulps. What? Called Live Auctioneers. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like they got some comics, too. Cha-ching, cha-ching. The character uh, just rolling. So, down. this is a Weird Tales October 1933 Batwoman cover in fine condition, estimate two to $3,000. And this was May of 2008.
0: So, man, if you just, even if you just adjusted that inflation, it's still not as much as I th- would have thought.
1: And as uh, this copy, which originally came from the John McLaughlin collection, is a clean and tight with a full, unfaded spine and supple cream pages. This issue also features a Robert E. Howard Conan story, "The Pool of the Black One." Bookery Guide to Pulp's very good value equals a thousand. Who's Bookery? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe another stuff. Oh, I could buy it on Amazon. It's a forty-four dollar used book. Hmm. I don't know. I but, it, but, it's, but it's a price guide. This is the price guide I'm looking for. Well, good. Is it $44 good?
0: I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But if that's, at least it's more updated than what you were talking about earlier. Are we rambling? We're yeah, we're starting to ramble a little bit. So. <laughs> You've been listening to Best of the Rest, Indie Comics and Pulp Magazine podcast. We managed have to <laughs> expand our name here. If you'd like to tweet the show at BOTR Comics, you can reach me at JForgets.
1: I'm at Ute Inger.
0: And we will see you next time.